Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed. How many of y'all ready for the word today? How many of y'all think God came? How many of you, how many of you think God is here today to do a work in your life? See, that didn't get the same reaction because we just think we're just here. But God's here to do a work in your life, in every single one of your lives. You're not here by happenstance today. You're here by divine appointment. And, yeah. And I want to open up with a quick illustration, and I'm going to dive into God's Word. When I was a youth pastor, um, not so long ago, <laughs> my pastor would keep a salt shaker by his Keurig. His, his coffee maker in his, in his office, how many of y'all, uh, he would put salt in his coffee. How many of y'all have ever done that before? Put salt in your coffee. See, everybody's looking at the people who's raising their hands right now like, these guys are crazy. And that's what I thought, too. I was like, these guys are crazy. They're putting salt in your, in, uh, and by the way, full disclosure, I've never done that. I still don't do it. So, uh, I, I, I like my coffee bitter. What can I say? <laughs> But I asked him, I said, why did he do that? Why do you do that, Pastor? And he said, he said I just put a little, uh, a little salt in there. He said, because it takes that bitterness out of that coffee. And so go home, try it. But I want to I talk, uh, talk about being better, not bitter today. You know, because even as a, a believer, even as, as a disciple of Christ, if you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, praise God. But Jesus even warned his disciples. He said, if salt loses its flavor... What good is it? Amen? So we're going to talk about being better, not bitter today. If you have your, your Bibles, open your Bibles with me to Second Chronicles. Uh, many of you are already standing. You, you can. You can go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. This is something we do here at Forward Church, just to honor the reading of God's Word. How many of y'all know that this Word right here is deserving of honor? It's worthy of honor. Uh, as a matter of fact, we need to get back to uh, recognizing God's Word for what it is. Uh, in this nation once again. Amen. This nation that was founded upon the principles of this word. And I, I believe that uh, there's power in the word of God. Amen. Second Chronicles 13. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And then I'm going to do what I'm going to do is I'm going to skip down for the sake of time. And I'm going to read verses 13 through 18. And I really need y'all praying for me. Okay. Because there's some hard names in this in the scripture. And if I just say that person or this person or that mountain or this mountain, just know that uh, I have your best interest at heart today. Amen? All right. So picking up with chapter 13, verse 1, it says this. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, Abijah came, became king over Judah. And he reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. And there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Nabajah set the battle in order with an army of valiant warriors, 400,000 choice men. Jeroboam also drew up in battle formation against him with 800,000 choice men, mighty men of valor. So what do you notice right off the bat here? You have two armies, one with what? 400,000, another with what? 800,000. And they're about to clash on the battlefield right here. Then Abijah stood on this mountain, and, which is in the mountains of Ephraim, and he said, Hear me, Jeroboam. He said, In all Israel, he, he's shouting from the mountaintop down to, to the army of Israel and their king. Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave dominion over Israel to David forever? 
to him and his sons by a covenant of salt. Everybody say that, by what? Covenant of salt. I want you to remember that. Skip down to verse 13, and let's look what happens in the story that we're reading. It said, but, but Jeroboam caused an ambush to go around behind them, so they were in front of Judah, and the ambush was behind them. So Judah was what? They were surrounded by this army of Israel right here. And when Judah looked around, to their surprise, the battle line was in both front and rear. And they cried out to the Lord, and the priests sounded the trumpets. Then the men of Judah gave a shout. Every once in a while, it just does good to just give a shout. Come on, somebody. Amen. And as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hand. Then Abijah and his people struck them with a great slaughter. Now listen to this. So 500,000 choice men of Israel fell slain that day on the battlefield. Half, half of a million soldiers died right there. Thus the children of Israel were subdued at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed, because they relied on the Lord, the God of their fathers. I just want to share with you really quick a message that I've titled today, Be Better, Not Bitter. Be better, not bitter. As a matter of fact, look at your neighbor right now and say, be better, not bitter. As a matter of fact, one more time, don't get mad, get glad. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, I love you and I thank you for this day. I praise you, God, for this word that you've downloaded into my spirit. And I just pray, God, your anointing upon these lips. God, let me uh, say everything, that, God, that you have ordained for me to say nothing more, nothing less. I also pray your anointing, God, upon the ears of this congregation and the hearts of this congregation, God. Let us hear your word and let us receive it, God. But don't let us just be hearers of your word. Let us be doers of your word, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, let this word produce everlasting spiritual fruit in everyone uh, that hears it, God. And God, I pray this prayer every single Sunday, and I mean it. I don't want a single person to leave here the same way we walked in. And I give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Fist bump two or three people and say, get ready. And you can be seated. So two of the most important covenants in the Bible is the blood covenant and the salt covenant. Now, listen to me really quick. A lot of us are probably very familiar with the blood covenant. Uh, it was the blood covenant that was established back in Genesis when, when sin first entered the world. And the blood covenant has everything to do with our redemption. Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. That's, that's the new covenant of, of, of Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb. His blood that was shed for the, for the remission, for the removal of your sin and my sin. We're all familiar with the blood covenant, right? Amen. But the second covenant, the most, uh, I, I guess the second most popular covenant that you need to be familiar with in, in the Bible is the covenant of salt. It's the salt covenant. What does the salt covenant have to, has, what, what does it have to do with, with us today? The salt covenant really represents an extraordinary connectedness to Jesus Christ. So while the blood covenant has everything to do with your redemption and your salvation, the salt covenant has everything to do with you being connected to Jesus Christ. You being connected to the word of God. In other words, it's got everything to do with your lifestyle. Amen or oh man. See, because, and, and I, can I just, can I hit the ground running? 
I've already preached this word one time this morning, so I'm just going to hit the ground running. See, we live, in a, we, we live in, a, in a culture, we live in a day and an hour where a lot of people are calling themselves Christians but does not have personal standards and convictions that line up with the Word of God. And see, that's why the world looks at the church and, 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 and has such a bitter taste in their mouth when it comes to Christians. Because all they see are Christians that has personal standards and convictions that does not line up with the Word of God. In other words, it doesn't mean that they might not be on their way to heaven. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not their judge. Only God is their judge, okay? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that if we want to live a victorious life, and be effective in this world today. If we really are serious about not being bitter, but being better and tasting better to the world around us so that we can reach people for the glory of God and the kingdom of heaven, it's time that we have personal standards and convictions that line up with this word of God. Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness there? Give God a hand clap of praise. There's two ways to enter into a salt covenant. One was through marriage, another was through a business agreement. And the reason, or the, the, the way that two people would enter into a salt covenant, one would bring bread to the table, lay the bread down on the table, the other would bring salt, and, they would, and, and, and he, would, or he or she would sprinkle the salt on, on the bread, and what they would do is those two people then, they would break bread together, and they would eat the bread, and as they did this, they entered into a salt covenant together. That's how a salt covenant was entered into. Now we know that even in the New Testament, Jesus established in the book of John, he said, I am the bread of life. We know that Jesus Christ was in the beginning with God, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Can I tell you that this is our bread today? Jesus Christ, the Word in the flesh, can I tell you this is life. Life, life this, is, this is how we uh, stay uh, uh, um, alive as Christians. See, if, uh, what I'm trying to say is, if we're not consuming this bread, if we're not consuming the Word of God, can I tell you, we've all uh, really almost rendered ourselves useless in the kingdom because this is what brings salt into our life. This is what brings, uh, this is what makes us better. Can I just, can I just let the, I, I'm just going to share, share it all with you right now without, without, trying to, to lay a foundation and take you somewhere. If you want your life to taste better, not just to you, but to those around you, can I tell you it begins with this. It begins with the Word of God. It begins by consuming the Word of God. It, means, it, it begins by being truly connected to Jesus Christ, not just, not just by a label, not just by association. We've got too many people going to church today that just are associates with Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? I have a lot of associates in life, but I'm only intimate. Can I tell you, I'm only intimate with, with my wife. Come on, praise God. But Jesus wants an intimate relationship with you. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. And we've got too many acquaintances in the world today. And can I tell you, praise God that, that you might be saved and that you're on your way to heaven but God called you and created you not to just live a life where you just, just go through this defeated, weighed down, depressed, full of anxiety and all of this and just saying, well, praise God. I'm on. No, God created you to live a victorious life here and now. But it begins by having personal standards and convictions that line up with the Word of God. 
See, so powerful is this covenant of salt that in 2 Chronicles chapter 13, Abijah invoked the, the salt covenant over Jeroboam. Basically, how this squared up is that Abijah stood on the mountaintop and he looked at Jeroboam and he said, I see your 800,000 mighty men. And I understand that I only have 400,000. And I know statistically speaking, and I know worldly speaking, and I know, I know the, the odds are stacked. How many of y'all feel like that sometimes? You feel like the odds are stacked against you. You don't have the resources. You don't have this. And you, but I'm just come by to tell somebody, stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what you do have. Because sometimes when you're in a covenant of salt with the king of kings and lord of lords, basically what Abijah was telling Jeroboam, is that the emblem of the king is upon me because God has given the nation of Israel to, to David's descendants under a covenant of salt. And Jeroboam, you are a backslidden king. You're worshiping idols. And here's what Jeroboam was doing. Let me slow down for a minute right here. See, Jeroboam was a backslidden king. He was worshiping idols. He was worshiping golden calves. He was worshiping everything besides the one true God that should have received all of his worship I'm not preaching on idols today but can I just say if you're placing anything before God in your life that's an idol and in order for you to truly live a victorious life hear my heart when I say this because I'm not coming to shame you I'm not coming to beat you down but what I am saying is that if you if you're sometimes I hear this pastor I don't understand I'm saved I believe in Jesus Christ even the demons believe the demons believe, and the Bible says the demons believe and they tremble. So there's power in the name of Jesus. But can I tell you, I, I talk to so many Christians that say, I, I, I feel defeated, Pastor. I feel defeated. Listen to me. That's why I'm preaching to you today. I'm, I'm here to encourage you, and I'm here to, to show you that there, there is truth in God's word. And the Bible says you, will, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And, the, and when the enemy comes at you at the flood, as a flood, the only standard that you can raise up against the enemy and truly be victorious is the standard of God's word. And here Abijah was. He invoked the salt covenant. He said, he said Jeroboam, you are a backslidden king. You're worshiping idols. And here's not only are you worshiping idols, but you've also, you killed the priesthood. The truly holy priest in the Old Testament, what they did was they not only represented the people to God, but they represented God to the people. So basically they would carry in these sacrifices to the altar in the temple as a sacrifice for the nation. And then they also would, would, would bring... Uh, uh, petitions to to God on behalf of the people so so what Jeroboam did was he he slayed he killed the holy priesthood and he set up this this false priesthood for the nation and Abijah recognized that he said I've recognized Jeroboam that you are a backslidden king and I want you to understand something I am in a covenant of salt with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so you need to recognize, and I'm paraphrasing something today, you need to recognize, Jeroboam, that if you fight me, and if you fight my men, you're not just fighting me, and you're not fighting my men, but you are waging war against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I need, to, I need you to understand something in this house today. When the enemy wages war against you, if you are in a covenant of salt with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, meaning what? If you are 
are connected in this word, if you are connected to Jesus Christ, if you are consuming this word, if you have personal standards and convictions that are aligned with this word, the enemy is not fighting you, but the enemy is fighting the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And can I tell you, my God has never lost a battle. Come on, somebody, stand up. Stand up on your feet. Take 30 seconds and give him a praise. Come on. God, we love you, Lord Jesus. God, I praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. This was to be the biggest battle that the nation of Israel ever experienced up to this point in history. At one point, you would have over a million soldiers clashing on the battlefield. And listen, what would happen here in this story is very tragic. Because even after all the warnings that Abijah gave Jeroboam, what happened? Jeroboam still went to battle against Judah. And I believe we're living in a time similar to Abijah's. See, that day, 500,000 of God's chosen children were slayed, killed, because of one man's rebellion against God. Let that sink in for a moment. Let that sink in for a moment. Because of one man's rebellion against God, 500,000 were slayed. And I believe we're living in a time, listen, those with spiritual ears need to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to the church today. We're living in a time similar to Abijah right here. We're living in a time where it's somewhat popular to even categorize and label yourself a Christian. I'm just going to be honest, growing up, it wasn't the case for me. It wasn't the case for me. As a matter of fact, quick um, comic relief to the message this morning, because this is a heavy message. If you, if, you, if you hadn't picked up on it or not, I'm preaching on holiness, but not holiness like you've grown up hearing about, more, more of a holiness of the heart. Not an external, but an internal. And I'm going to get there in just a minute. But let me, let me share a little comic relief. Y'all ready for this? Uh, 14-year-old Justin on the, the bus to go to PE. Being very vulnerable right here. This was not in the 9 o'clock service, so you get something they don't get. Uh, punch a neighbor and say, we're special. <laughs> so, you know, I grew up not just a Christian, but I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Come on, somebody. We believed baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, which we still believe that today. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I got about a third of you with me. And so we were having a conversation on this bus, and a and, um, lady come up, or I say young, it was one of my friends uh, in school, girl come up to me, and she said, she said, so what kind of church do you go to? And at that point, I had to figure out whether or not I was going to lie. I really, I was, it was like, am I going to lie? It's like when you're on an airplane and people ask you, so what do you do for a living? You know, you, you're, you're trying to decide in that moment, am I going to lie? And so I was like, well, I, I, go, to, I, I go to a church of God church. I'm, I'm Pentecostal. And she said, oh, so you, so you, you speak in tongues? I said, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age of 14 at a Monday night prayer meeting at Zion Ridge Church of God. I don't know where this is going, but I just want to say this. A little comic relief. When she asked me that question, I said, yeah. She said, do that now. Do that. I was like, really? 
I, uh, being put on the spot here, you know, so. But I, I'm going to tell you, there's, there, there's coming, a, 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 we are living in a day and an hour where it seems like it's, 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 not, it, 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 it's not like it was when I was growing up. It seems like it's just popular today. You know what? It's just popular today. Oh, I'm, I'm a Christian, you know, and, and I know that the, there's, there's a divide out there and the world is getting more evil and more evil and more evil, but I'm talking about just, just in, the, in the Bible Belt. I'm talking about Southern Christianity. And I wouldn't even, man, I just feel led of the Holy Spirit to just talk about some stuff real quick. Is this okay? And, 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 and I'm getting way off my notes right here. I'm just trying to follow God. I need some prayer warriors praying for me right now. You know, there's, there's everybody so disgusted with the things that's going on in the world today. And you know what? As believers, we've got to figure out how are we going to fight our battle. Because the Bible says we don't wage war against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and principalities. And see, we fight our, the Bible also says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. And what I'm saying, if I'm saying anything, is we're living in a day and an hour that is, people are calling themselves Christians, but oblivious to the weapons of our warfare. Because the Bible reveals to us the weapons of our warfare. The Bible outlines how we fight our battles. We don't fight our battles in, in like the world. The world is bickering and arguing over who's more powerful, and who's this, and who that, and position, and, and authority. And we find, we pick up in the book of Mark, but the book of Mark chapter 6, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He was teaching them, and all of a sudden, you know what the disciples say? I'm bringing it back to the church. How many of y'all want to be a disciple of Christ? But we're all subject to what I'm preaching on today because the disciples themselves asked Jesus in the book of Mark, chapter 6, who's going to be the greatest when you enter your kingdom? Which one of us? They were just sitting there, you know, you know how church people are. Oh, did I say that? I didn't mean, I don't mean you. Because we're all perfect in here, right? <laughs> Praise God. And so, all of a sudden, Jesus starts teaching them about, if you want to be the greatest, the greatest is actually to serve. Greatness is in serving. And he closes it with Mark chapter 6. Pull up those scriptures for me. I believe it's 49 and 50. Caught you off guard back there, didn't I? I'm sorry. Mark chapter 9, I'm sorry, wrong chapter. Mark 9, 49, 50. Praise God, I'll just read it then. Hallelujah. There you are. For everyone will be seasoned with fire. Listen, everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. There Jesus is talking to his disciples. He, invoked, he, reverenced the, he references the salt covenant right here in Mark chapter 9, verses 49 and 50 with his disciples. He says salt is good, meaning it's good to, to, have, to, to receive Jesus. It's good to, and, and I'm paraphrasing, it's good to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's good to be a disciple. But then he goes on and he says this. Salt is good, but if, it, if the salt loses, it's what? In other words, if it becomes bitter, what good is it? What good is it to be a disciple if you are full of bitterness? What good are you, what good am I to this world 
if my heart is full of bitterness. And that's why Jesus said, what good is salt? If, if, if you lose your flavor, you're rendered useless in this world. Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another, Jesus says. As a matter of fact, the key to having peace, the key, mind you, the disciples were just arguing amongst themselves. Who's going to be greater? And while the world is looking at the church, and all the church is doing is arguing about which theology is right, and which theology is wrong, and this and that, there is one Savior crucified, buried, resurrected, and He is King of kings, and He is Lord of lords. And I've just come to the point to where I'm going to preach Jesus, because I want to see the world saved. There, we are living in the last days, church. I've heard that preached my whole life, Pastor. Let me tell you the difference. You've heard Matthew 24 preached your whole life. Pestilences, earthquakes, famines, wars, rumors of wars. But you think back in history, when has there not been a time where there's been all that stuff? You know what's different about now? It's the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age. Men will be lovers of themselves, pleasure rather than of God. Meaning this, we want to choose what is right and wrong. That's the difference I see in the culture and the age that we're living in. Is no longer, see, there was a question proposed to an atheist. I watched a video this week. Apologetics preacher said, if this word, if today, if today there was, there was without a shadow of a doubt, unequivocal proof that everything in this word was 100% accurate, would you follow God? And the atheist just puffed up, so how blah, blah, blah. Just <laughs> Which proves something. It's not a condition of, of, you know, they always say, well, you know, I'm trying to get the facts. I'm trying to get the facts. I'm just trying to follow facts and facts. And it's not about the facts, it's about the heart. Because in all honesty, what, what it boils down to is, are you willing to submit to this? And a lot of people, when they're asked, they're not willing. And, and what am I preaching on today? I'm preaching on holiness. If you want victory in your life, listen. We've got to have personal standards and convictions that's, are, that's in line with the Word of God. And, and I know holiness is not a popular sermon to preach on. I battled over preaching this, but it's time we start preaching it a little more in the church today, I believe. It's time we start preaching it a little more. It's time the church gets back to where we should be. Matthew 5, 13 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And a lot of you, that's where you feel like you're at in your life. You feel like this world has thrown you out and you're being trampled on. Can I, just, can I just propose to you today that maybe it's because you've lost your flavor? And I'm not trying to beat you up today, but I'm trying to challenge you. I'm trying to challenge you. See, it's amazing what happens when you actually break this bread open right here. It's amazing what happens when you come to the table of God and consume it. Oh God, hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against 
you. And what happens is when you consume this word, what's on the inside is going to come out. And it don't matter what happens, it's like the enemy can come at you in a million different ways. But I'm going to tell you, as long as you got this word in you, greater is he that's within you than he that is of this world. See, the old covenant Israel was living by called them to live distinctly or it was a sanctification by following a set of laws, an external set of laws. The Bible words it like this. The law was written on tablets of stone. And they had to follow the external law in order to be sanctified, in order to be set apart, in order to be quote unquote holy before God. They had to follow the external law. That was the old covenant. Somebody say that was the old way. You want to be bitter? You want to taste bitter to the world around you? Do that. Point out everything they're not doing right. And that's what the, that's what the church has been good at. Man, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just being honest. I grew up my whole life in the church. You know what the church has been good at? Point out everything that we've done wrong. And, I, and, and there's a time and a place. I'm not trying to, but, but at the same time that we point out everything that we're, we're, we better replace every lie. It's one thing to say that's a lie, but it's another thing to say, now here's the truth. Here's the truth. See, I don't want to just give you half, half truth. Here's the thing. The holiness that Jesus calls us to has more to do with our heart. An internal thing. Not really an external, because what's on the inside is going to eventually come out. And I'm trying to tell somebody this morning, if you feel, I'm not saying you're on, you're, you're on you know, you're not saved. I'm not, I'm not claiming any of that. You may have received Jesus, you're, you're, you believe in him, all, all that. But what I am saying, that if we don't have personal standards and convictions in line with this word, we're going to live a defeated life. We're going to live a defeated life. Yeah, you're going to heaven. Yes, praise God. Praise God for that. But you're going to have a lot of defeats along the way. You ain't never heard a pastor say that before. But here, I'm trying to, and I'm not trying to be arrogant here, but I'm just saying I'm, I want this church to be victorious. God placed the, the word victory on my heart for the month of August, and I'm, I'm ending with this. I've already went over my time. God placed my victory I felt going out of July, going into August, I was like, God, we face so many battles. We face so many battles this summer. This and that, I could just go down the list. I was like, God, we got to have victory in August. But I'm going to tell you what God's laying on my heart for September. God's laying on my heart a season. It's a new season. It's a new season that we're stepping into. It's a new standard that we're stepping into. It's a new way of living. It's a new way of walking. It's a new way of talking. It's being, it's being better, not bitter. Because, see, when you live like this, all this external stuff that's going on, when you, when you, when you just point out what's doing, what everybody else is doing wrong, n nobody's going to want to be around you. They don't want to be around somebody like that, so you're going to taste bitter to every one of them. And guess what? Eventually... You're just going to be full of bitterness yourself. You're just going to be a bitter person. You're going to be a bitter person. 
But God didn't call us to be bitter. He called us to be better. And the only way we can do that, the salt covenant, listen to me, the salt covenant, an extraordinary connectedness to Jesus Christ, the word of God, being truly connected to him. Not just claiming like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, whatever. Lacks of days, no, being connected to Jesus. Consuming this word. Living by it, walking by it. That's what brings victory. Amen. Give him praise. Everybody stand. So what do you want today, Pastor? It's not what I want. It's what God wants. God wants all of you. That's it. Pastor, I'm saved. Praise God. Praise God that you're saved. But I guarantee you you're facing battles. I guarantee you there's areas in your life that you feel defeated. That's what I came to preach on today. Now listen, in this journey, this Christian walk, it begins, it can't begin without going through the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. I want to pull that microphone a little closer. Your journey as a Christian cannot begin without going through the cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible says no one goes to the Father except through the Son. So if you're not saved today, don't even worry about anything else because that's priority. That's one. That's number one. Upon that, everything else is built. Okay? But number two, maybe some of y'all in here, you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but you know what? I just feel defeated. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Judah in the scripture that you read. It's like the enemy's in front of me, behind me, and I, 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 it's like 800,000 to 400,000. I feel outnumbered. I feel trampled on. Here's what I want you to do. See, like, just like the journey begins by going to the cross, some of you need to come to the table this morning. Come to the table. Jesus is the bread. But bring the salt with you. Bring you. Bring your life. Bring all that you are. Enter into a salt covenant this morning with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I know that's a, like an Old Testament way to put it, but Jesus said, let your life be full of salt so that you may have peace with one another. See, I've come to, by to ask somebody, come to the table. Jesus, the, the, the Bible said this, that our Lord will prepare a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. Come and break bread with Jesus this morning. One of three things is going to happen. Number one is this. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to God's word. Listen, if, if you don't respond, I don't know what to say. Um, it's not... I, I obeyed God. I know I'm not the best communicator. I know I'm not the best preacher. I don't claim to be any of that. But if you don't take what was shared this morning and do something about it, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't help you. So I want to give you an opportunity to respond. There's going to be altar team members. So here's, here's the second thing. There's going to be altar team members. They're going to be up front. They're going to be down the walls. In just a few moments when we pray, What's an altar team? Some of, some of you might be new to church. An altar team is people that just wants to pray with you. They're not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. They're not going to come grab you by your ears and, you know, rattle your head and shake you and do all things, you know. Oh, they're just, they just want to pray with you. You know, what we, you know what our mission is? Our mission is this. Love God, 
and love people. So when you come to an altar team member, even though they don't know you by name, guess what? They love you because they have God in them. And if you know God, you know love. And number three, this worship team's up here. and We're going to lift up praise and worship off this platform. Why do we do that at the end again? Because God said, I inhabit the praises of my people. And I know that we're, when, when the Holy Spirit, when the presence of God is in a place. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. To find out more, visit us at forwardchurchonline.com. There you can connect with us, learn more about our ministries, and submit any prayer requests you may have. We hope you join us again soon. 